Here's Jiffy Lou Boner's Steve Sanner. When my wife Jennifer and I opened the first of our 51 Indiana Jiffy Lubes back in 1985, oil changes were $19.99. They were fast and easy, and they were due every 3,000 miles. Now our product costs keep rising, oil changes are much more complicated, and they're only needed a couple times a year. But one thing that hasn't changed is Jiffy Lube's commitment to doing the job right. Our expert technicians must pass the most rigorous training program in the industry. We pay higher wages than our competition, and we are very active in our communities, supporting public art, honoring Hoosier volunteers, and now with our new No Ticket Let's Fix It program that allows police officers to solve problems instead of issuing tickets. At Jiffy Lube, we take a lot of pride in being the best in the business at what we do. You never need an appointment, and our service satisfies new car and extended warranties. We look forward to seeing you soon. The new No Ticket Let's Fix It program from Indiana's favorite, Jiffy Lube. Local Matters brings you the stories of Indiana-owned businesses and community members making a positive impact in Indiana. I'm Mel McMahon, co-founder of Indiana-owned and Indiana Gifts, and today we'll get the story of how Karen Young started her own law firm. Hayes Young Law. We'll talk about the challenges and the successes along the way and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana-owned. Find local at indianaowned.com. Karen, it's so nice to chat with you. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. Good to see you again, Mel. So since we had you on last, there have been a lot of changes. Many people probably know that you're an attorney, but what's different now than the last time we talked to you is you're on your own. I am very much so. And that was what, January? Yeah, end of 21, beginning of 22. Wow. What a big transition for you. Yeah, I had been on my own once before for a short period of time back in 2018 when I went back into private practice, but doing it this way this time, I had my own client book built and a better sense of my business plan and and what I wanted to do as far as running my own firm and set it apart from things I had been involved with in the past. I want to talk about the transition in a little bit because I want you to talk about really what you do as an attorney, what you focus on for those that aren't familiar with you. Absolutely. So I have been a corporate attorney in-house um, at le- big legal departments and bi- or small legal departments and big corporations. And that's my history. So back in 2018, I went back into private practice, which is what people would think of as a typical attorney in a law firm with clients. But ha- my clients are not individual matters. They are rather um, the businesses and the nonprofit organizations that folks run. I also work with social entrepreneurs, which is a blend of those. So it's kind of easy to say what I don't do, which is I won't help you get a divorce. I won't help you get out of a traffic ticket. I don't draft your will, but rather folks that own a business. And I work with mostly small businesses and small not-for-profit organizations. So the executive director of a not-for-profit organization that needs um, legal assistance or businesses that are drafting contracts, entering into transactions, hiring and firing employees, the daily legal work that comes with owning and running a business is what I provide for clients. And with Indiana Owned and Indiana Gifts, you know, we work with business owners, you know, all day, every day. And doing this 10 years, I'm still surprised by what people don't know and then what I learn from other people. What are some of the challenges you see when people are first starting a business that they might not even realize an attorney should be advising them on? 
Absolutely. I see a, a few questions like what you asked. Many people don't understand what a business attorney does or can do for them because they probably haven't run a business before. And if they haven't run a business before, they haven't addressed some of these issues like you're asking about, let alone worked with an attorney on those. One of the first things that anyone does is they go to the secretary of state and set up their company. And most companies nowadays are set up as limited liability companies. And that's probably the right answer. People should form limited liability companies. However, what I am also finding right now is um, in the last, let's say six months, I've been, I've worked on four different clients that are splitting up. Their LLC has two or four members or something, and it's not worked out. They're two, six months, two years, five years down the road, and it's not working out. So I think that's something that folks don't recognize, especially if they're going into business with a friend or a family member. What is really needed, the heavy lifting of running a business, the administrative costs of running a business, accounting, legal, insurance, certifications, all of those pieces, and is the person you're in business with carrying their weight? And at least an equal amount of weight. Maybe they're not doing the same tasks, but they're doing the sales and the other pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad to see that happen. The businesses break up because they are not ready when they get together and go into business together. Well, what are some of the things let's talk? We'll just talk about, you know, having a business partner, having more than one person making the decisions from a legal perspective. What are some of the questions people should be asking? What should they be talking about? What are considerations they need to be making? So if you're going to go into business with more than yourself, more than a single member, 100% owned business, any proportion, whether it's 5149, 50-50, 80-20, you need to address upfront getting out of that partnership. Because it's likely, let's pretend you and I went into business together, Mel, we're youngish people. Youngish. We probably won't work together until we're 85. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's unlikely that a business is going to exist with the same people running it without any life event happening, good or bad. It doesn't have to be a death or a disability. It could be that you and your spouse get an opportunity and move out of state, and then we can no longer work together. So discussing getting out of this business and how that's going to look what the value of your ownership interest is going to be and how you're going to get paid back for that. Let's say you you and Lance leave and move away and you're 50% owner. Well, I can't buy you out right away for 50%. We're a struggling business just getting going. Mm -hmm. So how can I pay you over time in a way that works for the business and doesn't bankrupt the business you're leaving behind, but is acceptable to you as the leaving member getting your value back out of the company. So talking at the beginning about the end, it's like a prenup for a business. I can honestly say that's never crossed my mind, right? I don't, because oh, nobody's no. thinking about the end. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not something my, that I my think clients is in the are, My clients are, because I, I insist on it. I had a client go through a really messy breakup. There were four members and one left and they had not signed a buy-sell agreement. And he asked for a six-figure payout after having worked in the company for 12 months. 
And it took over 12 months to get that settled, get him out of the business. And he had even started a competing company. So there were just lots of problems. And I share that with clients. I'm like, I don't want you to be in this situation. We need to talk about this now. I'm working with um, a new, another new client and it's three young men who are starting this business together. And one of them has children, the others don't. And one has a background in the military, like they have just this variety of things and they may work really great together in a business, but the likelihood that they're going to continue running this business, the three of them in this percentage breakdown for another 20 years is really highly unlikely. So let's talk about it up front. When it's time for one of you to depart, what does that look like? How does the company buy you out? Karen, one of the issues I'm seeing a lot with our members actually has to do with their leases, right? Whether they're renting an office space, maybe they have a brick and mortar store and, you know, a lot's changed maybe since they got into the lease or now a new lease they're looking at is five years. You know, what are some things that as a business owner, you need to be looking at in kind of that property realm? Absolutely. That's a great time for a business to reach out to an attorney is having to do with their commercial real estate. I get calls about that as the the initial project I work with a client on because their commercial landlord is not doing something that was, I just had a new client come along this past year and the landlord was not fixing a leak. And this person did events and had equipment or, you know, stuff that was in there and was getting leaked on. And she had to cancel an event that's lost profits. That's damaged to her property. And she was pretty convinced they were doing this because they didn't want her in the space and they wanted her to pre-terminate her lease. And so they're just like there are slumlord landlords um, out there for residential, there are really poor commercial landlords out there and small businesses need an advocate. So I often tell people who are working in a business, if you're getting a, a contract of any kind, a lease or otherwise that's given to you. And the, and the document is going to be around 5,000 upwards. An attorney drafted it. If you're looking at a lease, a lawyer drafted that. So you as a business owner should hire an attorney to represent your interests and negotiate on your behalf for the provisions in that. And for a lease, it's obviously how can you get out of it? How do you renew what is your responsibility? Oftentimes HVAC is the responsibility of the, of the commercial tenant. And then you need to know how old is that HVAC system? Which, which HVAC system on the roof is mine? What state is it in? When is it last inspected? Who's kept it up? What did the last tenant do? Just like moving into a house, a commercial tenant is moving into a building that's existed, usually not a new build, has existed for a long time with all of its warts, the wear and tear and all of those pieces. And then the fixtures that a commercial tenant puts inside of the space, you need to watch in your lease about how you get those out and what is yours and what changes go so far that you have to leave them behind. And that's really important in any kind of restaurant or kitchen piece more so, but anytime you put any any amount of money into your commercial space, you need to review the lease to be sure what improvements you make you can take with you. I know none of us have a crystal ball, but it sounds like there are a lot of things that we can think about going into something that we can, you know, maybe prevent some failures in the future. What are some of the biggest challenges you see with the nonprofits that you work with? Absolutely. So I like what you just said, being proactive, using an attorney up front. I would see, I think for both for-profit and not-for-profit, the cost 
seems daunting to work with an attorney up front and to have the money to pay an attorney up front. I think businesses and not-for-profits don't do that because they envision it will cost too much money. I can't afford it. And the flip side of that is what happens if you get into a situation that's going to cost you even more money because you didn't proactively have your lease reviewed or your contracts document documented better for your for what services you're offering. And so it's the, you know, the six of one half dozen of the others, the cart before the horse. And so nonprofit organizations are fundraising constantly, right? And if they have a grant, that grant is often restricted dollars. Those dollars must be spent on X, Y, or Z. And usually it's related to the programming and the mission of the not-for-profit. And the not-for-profit entity does not spend the money on the infrastructure, the policies, the corporate governance, all of those pieces that just like a business can blow up in their face on occasion. So I'll get a phone call from a board of directors that says, we need to let our executive director go. They're not working out. And I'm like, do you have a job description? Have you put this person on a performance improvement plan? Have you documented anything? Do you have a policy on attendance or whatever the board is upset about? And the answer is often no, 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 because they have not raised the money to cover operations and the overhead piece. I'm a small business owner, so I recognize the cash flow issues with small businesses. And for most of what I offer, I don't need a retainer up front. I'm happy to work on a payment plan. So having $1,500 when you start a company or around to pay for accounting or legal services is, is a great little nest egg. It's not, doesn't have to be 15,000, 1,500, you know, just have some so that if and when your business needs to be protected, you have the money to do that. So it's not worse later on. Karen, I've known you for years at this point. Full disclosure, you've advised Indiana Originals Incorporated before on a few things. What makes you so passionate about helping business owners and nonprofit leaders in our community? That's a good question. I really love my job. I love being an attorney. And when I went back into private practice, I was a leap back in 2018. I was very concerned about making that big shift. I had I had worked in corporate America and had one client, the company that I worked for, and I did some pro bono work on the side when I wanted to and kept my law license active, but I didn't have to go get clients and get clients to keep calling me and pay me and, and track them down. And it just all of that was really daunting. I have been so pleasantly surprised in the last five years for the networking I've done and the referral sources I've had and the attorneys and other um, attorneys and other professionals like accountants who I have gotten to know and network with that refer work to me, the skills that I had from working in big corporate has really been very um, easily transferable into advising small businesses and not-for-profits on what's coming next and where they're going as they grow. And I've been so pleasantly surprised that clients call me and people refer work to me and I can accomplish what they need and get them the answers, solve the issues, et cetera. And they keep calling me back and they pay my bills pretty regularly. Um, <laughs> and I get to know about all these different businesses and not-for-profits around the around the state, sometimes, some out of state as well. I have one client who's in Australia. So I have, I can do a variety of things as like outside general counsel. And I get to be a little part of the team of each of my clients and I help solve problems 
and it's a, really a symbiotic relationship. So I think I'm passionate about it because I've it, it's filling up my professional desires and my the my work ethic, my um, the experience I have. I really get to use every day my training, my education, et cetera. And I, I wanted to be a lawyer for a really long time. And I really, really enjoy this piece of it. And I have great clients. I have a great book of clients and that's what gets me up in the morning doing the, the work to move them along. And I work with several businesses that are women owned or minority owned. I have a veteran owned business. And in that instance, so many folks go into business to solve an issue in their community. Either they want to hire people that they think are in their community that are hard to hire or their family members, or they think they can solve an issue in their community in some way through their business, whether or for profit or not for profit. And that is really rewarding work to be a part of that and help them grow. So all of these things have made me really passionate. It's kind of a, it's a circle. It's come full circle. Like I was really worried about it up front and come to find out my clients have shown me my own value to them. Coming up, the challenges and successes Karen has had along the way and what she wants you to know about starting your own business. This is Local Matters. Local Matters is brought to you by IndianaOwned.com, where you'll find our members that are business owners who want you to know that they live here, work here, and play here. They're the business owners donating food to shelters, sponsoring the Little League teams, and employing hundreds of thousands of people in our state. Every business on IndianaOwned.com falls into one of two categories. They're either an original, meaning the company is Indiana-owned and operated, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain, or they are a franchise friend, meaning the franchise is Indiana-owned and operated, the owner lives here in Indiana, and is engaged in our community. When you see the Indiana-owned badge, you know you are supporting a local business. And we like to make shopping simple for you as well at our sister company, Indiana.Gifts. Every product you see on there from the coffee mug to the scarf to the candle is made by an Indiana-owned company. Take your picks, send a gift to yourself or send it to a friend, and know that you are supporting local along the way. And we want to thank you for supporting local too. Use the discount code LOVELOCAL at checkout and we'll give you 10% off just to say thank you. We've been chatting with Karen Young of Hayes Young Law, who went off on her own and started her own law firm in January of 22. Karen, what's been the hardest part about being a business owner? Absolutely. So like many of my clients who are small business owners, I haven't really done it before. I've been a lawyer for 18 years. That is not the same as running your own company. And so I have some of the same struggles as my business owner clients of, when should I hire QuickBooks, for instance, I wasn't on QuickBooks. I was doing all my own invoicing. It was the worst part of my life. And it would take hours on a Saturday to get my invoices out. And I finally hired somebody to do QuickBooks. I should have done that six months earlier. I didn't think I could afford it. There were those types of things, marketing, um, paralegal support, administrative support, redoing my website, all of these pieces where I had to have enough you know, money set aside to pay for these non-billable external costs to go with the business. And so making some of those decisions, sometimes I do feel somewhat alone. And I think um, other business owners that are small business owners feel that way as well. And, and yet I, I have cultivated a network where I can reach out to someone who's been there, done that and ask for advice, but taking the time, taking the time to do that, juggling all the different aspects of, of life and business, personal, professional, all those pieces. And so heavy as the head, I, you know, I go to bed at night, 
with my to-do list running. I wake up in the morning with my to-do list running. So I have a pad of paper next to my bed that I'm writing down things I have forgotten throughout the day, just like any other business owner. Is there something you do differently knowing what you know now? That I would do differently Mm -hmm. when I started again? No, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I didn't have such a huge problem that was a fail that I'm like, if I would have just done that differently, I would be six months ahead of where I'm at now. I would say to any business owner, folks that are going into business, and they probably know this for themselves if they're if they're five years down the road, is know that you're taking a leap and jump. You know, go for it and put the hard work into it. And I never had a concern. I'm a, you know, hardworking person, reliable, you know, try and be very responsive to my clients. So I knew I could do it. But I did have, you know, some doubts along the way and still acting, you know, having the courage and act and and taking taking the leap, but also not blind. I didn't take it blind. I knew it was going to be a lot of work. I knew there are things I don't know. And I think all of us are in that position in some way. And it's, are you going to act or are you going to stay stagnant? And I wanted to act. What's been the most rewarding part about being a business owner, being out on your own? The successes that I have are all my successes. And that seems probably maybe a little um, pompous, but it's the warm and fuzzy feeling inside of I accomplished this. And I started with, you know, X number of clients. I'm almost at 200 clients. By the time this airs, I will probably be at 200 clients and, and growing. And that's exactly tied to the work and effort that I put into it. So I would say those the highs and the, the negatives are mine as well. And I can live with that and regrets. I've had a few, but too few to mention. So I'm very uh, happy with, with where things are going and how things are going. I want to, there are definitely goals I have to still to reach, but the ups are mine and um, there's more ups than downs. And I think I know the answer to this next question already, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what would you tell others that want to start their own business? What do you want them to know? Now, these are two different answers. (laughs) For a business, I'd say go big or go home. Have a nest egg. Don't quit your day job too soon. Those are the things. Because often there's so many folks out there that are in their day job and they're starting their business on the side. They do it at nights and weekends or they have a flexible schedule so they can run that. They need to stay in their job. Don't quit your day job too fast. You don't have benefits, all of those pieces. So definitely do that. But Count the risk, take the risk, get your insurance in place, get your accountant in place and and go for it and try. On the not-for-profit side, I would not say that. So many people come to me to start a not-for-profit and I am very active in the not-for-profit space in in the central Indiana area. I help run a not-for-profit, a woman's recovery home in Lebanon, Indiana. And people have often come to me with a passion or a heart and some kind of vision for what they think is needed and how they could do whatever it is, serving the homeless, helping animals, working with kids, working with small business owners, whatever the mission is. And yet they do not recognize that two or three years down the road in that nonprofit, they may really regret it. And somebody else out there has thought of what you're doing or has something similar and you could group with with that non-for-profits are not owned by anyone 
the person who founds that not-for-profit can be voted out by the board. I've had that happen to my clients where they formed it, they started, it was their baby and they were voted off the board. They're out of the organization. They're not part of it anymore. That's not what people usually have in mind when they think about starting a not-for-profit. I've had people say to me, it's my baby. And I said, yeah, I want to smack you. It's not, it's not <laughs> your baby. Not-for-profits are created for the public good. No one owns them. And any assets you put into the not-for-profit are no longer yours. You don't get them back. When a not-for-profit is shut down, anything that that not-for-profit owns and any money it has has to be distributed to a similar organization. And so I would say on the for-profit side, count the risk and go for it. On the not-for-profit side, I would say find an organization already that's doing something like what you want to do. Approach them. They probably need a board member, someone who's engaged and brings energy to their organization, and they would be welcome your involvement. Don't start a new not-for-profit from scratch unless you really, really, really have to. One of the things we've talked about is in your journey of becoming a business owner is, you know, the admin piece that is not really your wheelhouse, right? The marketing piece that isn't really your wheelhouse. And one of the things we do at Indiana Owned is help with, you know, the promotion and branding of Indiana Owned companies, of our members, right? And so we have an event coming up that we're putting on together, which I'm really excited about. You want to share that in this episode? I'm very excited too. Yes. So I missed one of the Indian. I try and make it to all the Indiana owned events that I can. I love our members. And so I reached out to you. I had just spent most of the year since like February rebranding Hayes Young Law, doing a new logo, doing a new website, pushing all of that out. And I'm not doing that alone. I'm working with the local PR company, SoCo PR and it's finally live. My website is finally live. My new business cards have been printed. I'm getting promotional products ordered. So September 12th, Indiana owned and myself, I'm going to sponsor or, or co-sponsor um, a happy hour at the co-working space where I work downtown, Maven space. The doors will open at 4.30. Please come. Um, it's going to be drinks, light refreshments, a lot of networking. I'm also a connector. I would love my clients to get to know each other and other Indiana owned members. Some of my clients are or should be Indiana owned members. And then we can all mix and mingle as as well as um, sharing business cards, reconnecting and and seeing one another and obviously promoting the Indiana owned membership. Well, and what a beautiful space too. If you have it a is. space, it is incredible. Leslie has done an amazing job with that space. And so we're happy to support them as a member as well. So I think it's going to be a great event and I'm really excited about it. And I mean, we have, you know, over 40 people RSVP'd for it already. So it should be a really, really fun time. So I've gotten, I've gotten the word out to invite clients, referral partners, the like, and have already reached out to several Indiana owned members, but I hope that this, the link goes live and people come Tuesday, September 12th, 4:30 to seven. More information about that event is on our website at indianaowned.com slash events. Karen, why does supporting local and being known as Indiana Owned matter to you? It takes all of us and all of our collective skills to work together and make our communities thrive. And so being a part of Indiana Owned as an attorney licensed in Indiana to practice law, it makes perfect sense to link up those two, two pieces. And while I might not need to be a, a an attorney for one of the members 
I might need their services. I might want to use them. And I definitely want to support local and put money back into the Indiana economy. I'm here. I want to bloom where I'm planted. I want to make Indiana a better place to be. And I can only do what I can do. But if we all contribute what we can we can do, it just makes is is just beautiful. And so I've never regretted being a part of Indiana owned and getting to know other locally owned businesses that I never would have been exposed to and then can help them grow and put the money in the jobs and the interest back into our community. So it's, it's just so rewarding. Well, we appreciate your membership. We appreciate your services as well. And you're a great promoter of what we stand for, right? Which is to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. Besides indianaowned.com, where do we find out more about you and how do we support your business? Absolutely. Everybody can find me on LinkedIn, Karen Young. I do a variety of things. I show up in the education community. I am an adjunct professor at the law school. I help run a not-for-profit and I have my own firm working um, out of Indianapolis. So find me any of those places. And my new website has just gone live, Hayes Young Law, H-A-Y-E-S-Y-O-U-N-G law.com. So please check it out. Please let me know if you see any typos or need any feedback before the 12th. I'd love to get it all of the kinks worked out, but it has gone live and we're launching and I'm really excited. I'd love to hear what people Karen Young, Hayes Young Law, thank you so much for being our guest today on Local Matters. Thank you for having me, Mel. See you soon. And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana-owned Indiana Gifts and Jiffy Lube of Indiana. It's an honor to bring you the stories of Indiana-owned businesses and community members making a positive impact in Indiana. Find local businesses near you or get your business certified local at indianaowned.com. I'm Mel McMahon, and until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Owned. Find local now at indianaowned.com.